When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Charles Sabansi from the Dreamers Pro Show, and we want to welcome you guys to the Dreamers Pro Podcast, where we cover everything from sports, hot topics, classic debates, entertainment, and where we give you guys a fresh perspective on things and how we see them. Now, let's get started with the first topic of today's show. Let me get into this topic here. We're going to be talking a little bit about LeBron James. So as you guys know, LeBron has made it crystal clear uh, to anyone that will listen that his dream at this particular point in his career is to be able to play in the NBA with his son, Bronny. As you guys know, Bronny uh, is his eldest son. He plays basketball. Currently, he's playing collegially. He recently had um, a health scare that really uh, sent shockwaves throughout the sports world, and all of us had him in our prayers because that's just something as a parent myself. I can't even imagine what that would feel like and the horror and the terror uh, that LeBron and his family uh, felt at that moment. But nevertheless, he was able to make a full recovery <clears throat> excuse me, uh, and return and return to the basketball uh, court. So LeBron has made it clear that he wants to play with his son. Um, he's even gone to the extent that he said that, listen, I think Bronny is good enough to play for the Lakers right now. Some people felt a kind of way about that because, you know, they were like, man, <clears throat> you saying this, you have teammates. How are they supposed to feel? I think at one point he said he's better than, right now he's better than, a good amount of the players in the NBA. A lot of people are left scratching their head, but most people and parents would be like, well, you know, <clears throat> he's promoting his son. He wants his son to do well. Every parent wants their, uh, wants their kid uh, to do well. So we know that, right? But what's important to pay attention to here is that LeBron has been the one pushing Bronny, talking about him, you know, posting about him, all of those different things. Uh, so what happened yesterday uh, something interesting um, happened on the internet uh, after a mock draft was created, I believe for 2025, that had his son uh, in it, causing LeBron James himself to basically chime to basically chime in on Bronny's critics. And we're actually getting this from Bleacher Report. But before we even get into these comments, this video is brought to you by our sponsor, Prize Picks. Prize picks is really simple. Instead of just selecting a team, you just select two or more players, pick more or less their projected stats, and then you place your entry. For example, this week, I'm selecting two entries, Stephen Curry for more than 25 points, and then I got Anthony Davis for more than two blocks, and Damian Lillard for more for more than four three-pointers made. Prize picks is also the only daily sports platform with an injury insurance policy. So for example, if you have a player who gets injured in the first half and doesn't return to the second half, that player gets automatically rebooted. What I also love about Price Picks is that it offers weekly promotions like Taco Tuesdays. Each Tuesday, Price Picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. So go to pricepicks.com CLNS and use code CLNS for a first deposit match of up to $100. That's go to pricepick.com CLNS, use code CLNS for a first deposit match to, of up to $100. And once again, once you support this sponsor, you're supporting this channel. Thank you. 
So let me get into the comments that LeBron made. He wrote, can y'all please let the kid be a kid and enjoy college basketball? The work and results will ultimately do the talking no matter what he decides to do. If y'all don't know, he doesn't care what a mock draft says. He just works. Earned, not uh, given. And in another another, uh, tweet, he said, since deleted tweet, I believe. And to all the other kids out there striving to be great, just keep your head down, blinders on and keep grinding. The mock drafts, it doesn't matter one bit. I promise you, only the work matters. Let's talk real basketball uh, people. So you heard what LeBron James uh, had to say there. What's my reaction and the reaction of many others who heard that? A lot of people are saying, listen, LeBron, you can't have it both ways. On the one hand, you're always promoting your son, which is nothing wrong with that. Always hyping him up, always talking about him. I'm showing support, all of those different things. Talking about how you would love him to have him in the NBA and all of these things, blah, 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 blah. But at the same time, you're not ready for negative opinions. People not seeing what you see, all of these different things. Well, when you push a kid into the spotlight, that's what comes with it. You know, you can't just have positive reinforcement and people saying positive things about you because the truth of the matter was, had he been probably ranked higher uh, in this mock draft, I doubt we're even having a conversation right now. I sincerely doubt that. But because maybe he was ranked at a spot uh, that LeBron didn't feel comfortable with, he spoke out. To me, as someone who is constantly promoting his son, constantly putting him out there, you should be ready for this. And it's unfortunate, uh, but the fact of the matter is the following. LeBron is an excellent basketball player. We all know this. So there are going to be people that like LeBron James and people that dislike LeBron. And if they see that, okay, maybe his son is not as good as he is, well, they're going to make his son into a target to take take out some of their frustration or whatever it is at the sun that they couldn't take it to that because you can't say, well, LeBron is a horrible basketball player and blah, 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 blah. But if you can see chinks in the armor of his son, they're absolutely going to do this. This is all par for the course. This is all par for the course. But LeBron is the one that is always pushing him, always putting his name out there. So if you're going to be promoting him and all of these different things, people are going to have views and you can't stop them from having views, right? And I think it's one of the reasons that he went out there and actually rescinded that post uh, because a lot of people are like, bro, man, like, what do you want? You can't, you, you can't have it both ways. You cannot have it both ways. This is inevitably uh, going to happen. And if people are going to evaluate him, they're going to evaluate him. And there's really nothing you can do. And if you're saying it's not earned and all it's earned and all of that stuff, you shouldn't even be trying to do anything. You shouldn't be trying to do that because LeBron posted before, man, Bronny definitely better than some of these cats I've been watching on League Pass today. It's lightweight hilarious. That's what you were saying. Now, how do you feel all those other other, other people that you spoke about, all those other NBA players felt when you said that? That is wild disrespectful, but you said it. And they took it on the chin. No one came out and cried about it and cried this. Oh, you said that. You said this. You said that. So if you're going to put that out, be ready for somebody else to come back and say something else. And if God forbid he doesn't get drafted, nobody wants to hear you cry or nothing like that, man. If it's all supposed to be earned, right? If it's all supposed to be earned, then let him go out there. And as you said, let him earn it. 
and let the chips fall where they may. But for you to go out there and people and people were making fun of him. People were making fun of him. If I go on Twitter right now, just reacting to one of that post, um, one person says, LeBron says he doesn't care about mock drafts, but makes a point to post about them spe- specifically twice. All, another person said, uh, um, also LeBron, Bronny could play for the Lakers right now. Easy. This was on January 8th. Another person said, LeBron is crying because his baby boy isn't getting drafted. Newsflash, Lawashed. Your son isn't going to make it to the NBA until you're 50 years old. <laughs> People keep on. But this is par for the course. This is what happens when you put people out there. That is why some people are very protective about their kids. And they don't put them out there in a the public forum. Because they don't want all of this type of nonsense. Some people do. So it's par for the course. And I don't think LeBron should be complaining. Uh, given the fact that you promote uh, Bronny so much and you're the one always talking about him and all of that. So people are going to talk. People are going to give their opinions. And they did there. Now, if you're enjoying this show, be sure to follow us on Facebook at Dreamers Pro Official, Instagram at Dreamers Pro, and leave a review to let us know what you think about today's show. Now, let's continue to the next segment. Gilbert Arenas from time to time kind of does shows about us making fun of us or whatever it is when gilbert arenas initially came into the nba space he used to have some pretty 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 crazy takes pretty 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 wacky wacky takes he knows this uh i've, I've said this to him before he knows um and it seems like i wasn't the only one noticing other people like rob parker and chris broussard who we're talking about today also said that like Gilbert Arenas has had some pretty pretty wacky takes, especially about players from the 80s and the 90s, right? I, why I don't know why I think he's probably just trying to cater uh to some of these young guys here today. And he's done shows, he's probably gonna do one today. Maybe somebody will send it to him, like yo, son, Gil, you heard Dreams Pro over there, you know, you do it, blah, 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 you go back at him. So that was that. So what happened yesterday? I was watching a segment from Gil's Arena, and it's called Gil's Arena Erupts Debating the Laziness of NBA Defense. And first of all, let me just say, this was an extremely entertaining segment. If you haven't watched it, I suggest you go and watch it. I had a ball, I had a blast watching it. It was very entertaining, uh, and it really made you think because Rashard McCamp had obviously an opposing view to... uh, to, to, um, to Gilbert Arenas and I actually read a lot of articles and stuff some NBA things some basketball things not NBA things some basketball things uh, in terms of schemes and all of that which was basically prompted by the show that I watched on the the, the segment that I watched from Gil's Arena so it was a hell of a, uh, an episode uh, talking basketball however what happened uh, during that segment they were there essentially arguing right uh, and they were arguing basically over, you know, today's defense, why it sucks. And then, uh, and, and Gilbert Arenas was essentially saying, no, today's defensive players are really, really good. And that's the reason why they can't defend. And they really had this big back and forth. So what we want to do is want to play a little bit of the conversation that they had to say. And I want you guys to listen to it carefully and listen to the arguments that they were making because it's going to be pertinent. Uh, as we move forward in today's show. So take a listen to some of the things that they had to say on today's show. The game is different. It's the, the, what I mean is the game is different. There's no, there's no more liabilities on the court. But Gil, ain't nobody guarding nobody. How hard was that's it to guard? Obvious. No, how that's hard, obvious. How hard, <laughs> how hard was it to guard your team with all those stars on it? 
Oh, it was hard as hell. Okay, so nobody's sitting in the, they couldn't sit in the lane and do all this stuff. Be, hello, are you going to leave me and you're going you're gonna to leave me and leave Cooper? Well, but there, you're but gonna, there, wait, every there game are, wasn't there a blowout. There are a lot of teams out there like we had. No, there's not a lot of teams that had like superstars, right, on one team. But now you have guys who can spread the floor. So when I decide to drive, I have a specialist now. I actually have a specialist that he's only in the game to shoot threes. So when I drive, like... Yeah. Oh, okay, there we go. There's no more dead weight. There's guys... But if you know he's a specialist and he's in the game to shoot, don't help off of it. Right. We, we force ah. him to pass it okay. to the guy that's not the specialist. So now, so that, here we go. Don't help off of him. So when I drive now and you say, no one's playing defense, yeah, because no one can take... There's no more taking the charges. There's no more of that because there's specialists out there now. So the, the, the floor is wide open. So when you got your one-on-one -on -one guys coming through the lane, there's no one there to help. But there's been specialists before. In the history of the game, there's always been a shooter on the it floor. Uh, special. Uh, you said it. A shooter. Or two. Or two. two. Or three. Okay. Jordan, right? Jordan had... Paxson. Right? So now, now okay, so let's give Jordan... Her. Let's give Jordan Paxson... Steve Kerr, who else? BJ. Greg Hodges. BJ Armstrong. BJ Armstrong. So now you got Michael Jordan, Paxson, Kerr, BJ Armstrong, Kukoc. and Craig, or and Kukoc at the five. When Jordan decides to drive, who the hell is there? How much does Jordan average now? When you're sitting there with a whole bunch of three-point shooters, you, there's nobody in the lane anymore. There's no Dennis Rodman man sitting there. There's no Pippins man sitting there. There's no uh, Rob, uh, Luke Longley's well, guy sitting in the Jordan, lane. Though. And but that, we're but, talking but, about the triangle saying, offense. How much That's a different average, offense. What I'm saying is how much does he average now when he's going one-on-one? -on -one? Oh, gosh. See, th th that's what I'm saying. That's the game now. The game now has to... It's not, because you're talking about one guy who can do that, who can, who can increase his scoring by allowing the game to open up because he was such a dynamic scorer. Joker is not Michael Jordan. And if we were to take away Michael Porter Jr. and C, uh, KCP and say, all right, we're going to make these other guys beat us. So you heard the arguments that they were having back and forth, but Gilbert Arenas was essentially saying that it's hard to play defense because they're basically shooters all over the floor. That's what they were doing. That's what he was saying. And Rashard McCamp was essentially saying the reason uh, things are like this today is because players are essentially very, very lazy uh, at playing defense. So that's pretty much the heart of the argument. You can go back and watch it and see. You can go back and watch the full thing to see, see what they were saying. And then I started thinking this morning. And then, unfortunately, I couldn't find all of the specific clips. <clears throat> But I was thinking about Chris Broussard this morning and some comments that he made after the Brooklyn Nets faced the Boston Celtics in the playoffs back in 2001 and 2022. And I remember that series vividly because I remember going into that series, the Brooklyn Nets had a Kevin Durant and a Kyrie Irving who are dynamic scorers. Some people are saying Kyrie Irving is the most skilled player in NBA history. I disagree. I think it's Kobe. Um, but these are two dynamic scores, efficient scores. And they went into that playoff series and they were totally stifled, totally stifled by the Boston Celtics defense who had the number one rated defense in the NBA that year, giving up 106 points per game under their leadership of Ime Udoka. 
and they totally stifled him. And Chris Broussard came on TV the following day and brought up a point that I had not considered. And we did a show about it. it did very well. Brought, had like 200,000, had like 200,000 views. And he brought up a point that a lot of us didn't pay attention to. Now, why are we playing it here today? The reason we're playing it here today, because I believe the point, the point that Chris Broussard brings up in this soundbite directly debunks a lot of the arguments that Gilbert Arena tried to put forward in his recent uh, 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 sit down that he had on Gil's Arena. So what we want to do is want to play exactly what Chris Broussard had to say here in reaction to what he saw in that series. And then we're going to come back and really get into this show. Take a listen to what he had to say here. Kyrie Irving is an excellent offensive player that has been wildly overrated by segments of the media and segments of the player population because he is so uh, almost hypnotizing with his skill. It is. It should not be a shock to anyone that Kyrie Irving followed a great game with a bad game. He has done that throughout this season. The Durant thing is jarring in a way I'm not... I. I I have been saying all for the last two months, those 40 minutes a game might be wearing him down. That's the only been on this. possible explanation. No. no. Brew, you're shaking your head. I, I know a, you're saying it shouldn't happen. There's another explanation. It will, okay, there's well, another explanation. First of all, he here, was out here's for the thing. 20-something games straight. I understand that, but just, just quickly, if I may. In this series, he has 13 made baskets and 12 turnovers. The way he is having the ball taken from him is more jarring than the missed jump shots or even seeing his jump shot get blocked. He is not, and he seemed so quietly confident going into this series in the press conferences. To see Kevin Durant on the court getting bullied, getting pushed around, not being able to do anything, is it, it is not the same stakes and it is not that level of meltdown. But it is as it is nearly as jarring as to me LeBron in eleven, where it was like, wait, what is happening no, here? No, I've never no, seen this guy no. play like this. No, 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 bro. He, here's bro. the difference. I'm just saying Here, as far as how different it looks from how I expected him to play. That's all I'm saying. It just doesn't look like okay. Kevin Durant. He, I agree with that. But LeBron took himself out of the series in 2011. They didn't stop sure. him. He stopped himself. Yep. Kevin, sure. let's give the Celtics some credit. And I'm going to say, Nick, because we always hear, I even heard Gilbert Arenas recently on a podcast talking about Rodman, Jordan, Pippen, they couldn't guard Kevin Durant. This is 90s basketball. The refs are letting the Celtics play 90s defense. And they're getting physical with Kevin Durant, and he's not used to it. He's used to having room, being able to do what he wants. They are getting physical with him, and that's the problem. Simple as that. We know he's not incredibly strong. He's not big. He's not a physical player. They are letting the Celtics be physical, and it's thrown Durant off his game. So you heard what he had to say. Fantastic. Now, let me get into this, this, this thing. Now, now we can really get into it. Chris Broussard spoke about the fact that they were able to play 90s defense, right? And that's the reason why Kevin Durant and those guys were stifled. Let me just get into some of the statistics. Uh, and Gilbert Arenas, we're not getting this from Google. We're getting this from Basketball Reference and NBA.com. The reason I brought that up is because Gil would be trying to say that I don't use Google. I don't know what he uses. Maybe Gilbert Arenas be using Bing or something like that. I don't know where he gets his information. So what happened? That Boston Celtic team that season had a 51-31 and record, Right? 
Their defensive rating was a, was they were the second highest rated def, uh, the defensive rated team in the NBA, giving up a hundred and six point nine points per game. <clears throat> that season, the Brooklyn Nets uh, defensive rating was nineteenth, and they were scoring a hundred and thirteen point six points per game on offense that season. Let's look at the regular season numbers of one Kyrie Irving that year and one Kevin Durant, and then we get into their playoff numbers. That year, Kyrie Irving for the Brooklyn Nets was scoring 27 points per game. Get this on no, no, yeah, 27, yeah, 27.4 points per game that season. He was shooting 46.9% from the field, he was shooting 41.8% from the three and 91.5% from the free throw line. Kevin Durant that season for the Brooklyn Nets was scoring 29.9 points per game. Let's say 30 on 52% shooting from the field, 38.3% shooting from the three point line and 91% shooting from the free throw line. So what happens when the Brooklyn, Net, the Boston Celtics with Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, uh, Al Horford, all of these guys were actually able to play physical, tough, smothering 90s defense where they're not going to be calling ticky-tack fouls. Are you aware <clears throat> that that year in the playoffs, Kyrie Irving, I just gave you his numbers, went from 27 and a half to 21 points per game, shooting 44% from the field, 38% from the three, and 100% from the free throw line in four games. Kevin Durant, that year was scoring in the playoffs 26.6. You're like, three, that's great. On 38.6% shooting from the field, 33% shooting from the three-point line, and 89% shooting from the free throw line. Now, what you don't realize is if you watch the games, you would realize what exactly was taking place during those games. What was actually taking place was that Kevin Durant was actually being stifled. In that game, in, the, in that series, he was actually being stifled. I believe in game one, Kevin Durant shot field goal percentage. He shot 40% in game one. Kyrie Irving shot 55% in game one. Game two of that series, Kevin Durant, what did he shoot from the field? Kevin Durant shot, let me see. He shot, what did he shot? He shot. 66%. Game three, I think it got even worse. Game three, Boston won that game. KD shot 54%. Kyrie shot 35%. They were being outclassed. Now, one thing I want to bring up here, Gilbert Arenas in his argument is basically saying that, listen, the reason it is extremely difficult to guard players here today is because of the composition of NBA teams. They are comprised of so many great shooters. So it's going to create a lot of space, right? You have all of these great shooters on the team. So who are you going to guard? Whose man are you coming up? All of those different things, right? So you're basically stuck to playing man-to-man -man and you're switching everything. And Rashard McCann is saying there's lazy defense and all of that. But Gilbert Arenas was essentially attributing or is essentially attributing everything that we're seeing right now to three-point shooting percentage. However, there's a problem. There's a very big problem with that argument. Why is there a problem with that argument that Gilbert Arenas was making? 
Because if we go back and look at that Nets roster in the 2021-2022 season, do you know that that Nets roster, if we adjust for for three-point shooting percentage, let me get it here. Kyrie shot, hold on, let me get let me let me get it right. You had one, two, three, four, five players shooting at least 40%. You had, let me get it right, one, two, three, four, five, six players on that Nets roster shooting at least 38%. The Nets had a lot of great shooters. The Nets had Kyrie Irving, who was a 42% three-point shooter that season in the regular season. You had Kevin Durant, who was a 38%. James Harden didn't play that year, so he didn't play. Joe Harris was a 46.6% three-point shooter. You had Seth Curry, who was a 46.8% shooter. You had Patty Mills, who was a 40% shooter. You had Bruce Brown, who was shooting 40% from the field. So, Mr. Gilbert Arenas, why didn't it work out then? The reason it didn't work out then, I think, is goes back to Chris Broussard's argument, which was they were allowed to play actual defense and touch guys. Kevin Durant, if you know anything about Kevin Durant, the thing that bothers him the most is physicality. If you get into him, you crowd his space, you body him up. That's how Ron Artest guarded him when they were playing in the playoffs. Ron Artest always had a body on him. He was a bigger, stronger guy. Not bigger, but stronger guy, although KD had a height advantage on him, so he was always leaning his weight on him, trying to fatigue him out. KD doesn't play well with a lot of physicality. He doesn't. Very few players can actually play well with a lot of physicality and still score the bucket. Kobe is one of them. Giannis is one of them. Shaq is another one. Allen Iverson is another one. Those dudes are totally different breeds. So Gil's argument of the way teams are comprised, it didn't work there. When you're actually allowed to play physical defense. And I just listed the amount of spacing, the guy shooters on the floor, and it didn't really make a difference now, did it? Because the Brooklyn Nets team was absolutely stifled in that series. And it actually didn't even matter. So, I'm with Chris. I'm with Richard. Gil tried, and I think Gil failed. Now, if you're enjoying this show, be sure to follow us on Facebook at Dreamers Pro Official, Instagram at Dreamers Pro, and leave a review to let us know what you think about today's show. Now, let's continue to the next segment. As you guys know, Stephen A. Smith is the face of ESPN. He's certainly the most outspoken personality at the network. And with that comes a lot of loud opinions, which from time to time begin to irk a lot of people out there. Uh, One of the biggest critiques of Stephen A. Smith from his critics, the people that criticize him are, is rather, he always speaks in a way that kind of degrades, um, African-American athletes, right? And a lot of people have taken issue with the way uh, he goes about his business. The most recent case was the way he was talking about the Pelicans, Zion Williams, when the team had been playing well. And then he got up there. He's like, Zion, talking about cheeseburgers and hamburgers and all of that. It was funny uh, to some, but at the same time, it turned off other people. And I heard it. Did I have a reaction? No, I think my reaction at the time when I heard it was, man, like I just shook my head. I didn't. Like, I was just like, man, wow, that's that's pretty wild. <clears throat> but it seems like other people out there had a totally different opinion. It felt, it felt like uh, what Stephen A. Smith said struck a chord uh, with other people more than it did with me. And one of those people uh, was former NBA player Stephon Marbury. Now, if you don't know who Stephon Marbury is, I don't really know what to tell you. Um, just go do your research. 
excellent point guard from New York. Um, but him and Stephen A. Smith have had their battles over the years, and he is not a fan of Stephen A. Smith whatsoever. And he has made his opinions on Stephen A. Smith crystal clear, and Stephen A. Smith has done the same towards uh, Stephon Marbury. So after Stephen A. Smith went out there and said those statements, and by the way, it's not just Stephon Marbury that felt away Antonio Daniels, who calls the games for the New Orleans Pelicans. He also went on the odd couple. He called out Stephen A. Smith, the New Orleans Pelicans organization. They also called out Stephen A. Smith. But recently... I came across a clip of Stephon Marbury uh, responding to Stephen A. Smith's disrespectful coverage of NBA players, especially after his Zion Williamson comments. And that's really what we want to anchor in on today. But before we even get into that, this video is brought to you by our sponsor, Prize Picks. Prize Picks is really simple. Instead of just selecting a team, you just select two or more players, pick more or less their projected stats, and then you place your entry. For example, this week, I'm selecting two entries. Stephen Curry for more than 25 points. And then I got Anthony Davis for more than two blocks. And Damian Lillard for more for more than four three-pointers made. Price Picks is also the only daily sports platform with an injury insurance policy. So, for example, if you have a player who gets injured in the first half and doesn't return to the second half, that player gets automatically rebooted. What I also love about Price Picks is that it offers weekly promotions like Taco Tuesdays. Each Tuesday, Price Picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. So go to pricepicks.com CLNS and use code CLNS for a first deposit match of up to $100. That's go to pricepick.com CLNS, use code CLNS for a first deposit match to, of up to $100. And once again, once you support this sponsor, you're supporting this channel. Thank you. So what we want to do is we want to get into exactly what Stefan Marbury had to say here. And then we're going to get into the meat and potatoes of this show. Take a listen to what Stefan Marbury had to say in response to Stephen A. Smith. Now, I know you take a payment. I got that. And it's understandable. But when you sit and you talk about these black brothers the way that you do, when you speak and you talk about Kyrie the way that you talk about them, I wonder why. Why is it that you do this to them? Because they are strong black and they stand on their own two feet and they do not care about what others say. It's wrong. When are we going to defund his voice? When are we going to defund his voice? When are we going to stop this person who has been giving the opportunity to speak and talk to the culture for people to make an objective opinion about what they hear based upon what this guy is saying. When are we going to defund Stephen A. Voice, Stephen A. Stiff. When are we going to do that? When is that going to happen? Because this guy has 1.5. That's your new nickname. You play basketball 1.5. You shouldn't even have the voice to speak about basketball. You, you, you shouldn't even... When you speak, you should say... It's what I think. 
That's what you should say. That's what you should say. You should say it's what I think when I'm talking about what it is that I'm seeing on TV. When are we going to defund Stephen A. Stiff voice? When is that going to happen? When is that going to happen? I'm so sick and tired of hearing you speak and talk about these black brothers who are trying to do something for their families. They have children and you are trying to make them look like, why? Why do you want to paint this picture of them? Why do you want to do that? Why do you want to make them look bad? I thought that you were supposed to be the voice of reason for us. You're not. I'm not even going to speak about and talk about what you talk about with the others. I'm not even going to speak and talk about that. When are you going to stand up for us for real? When are you going to do it? You constantly degrade and you pick and you choose who. Is it because they give you rights? Because they give you privilege? Is it because they tell you what is going to be the teaser for the day? You're not going to pick on Zion. You're not going to pick on Kyrie. Not why I'm living and breathing on this earth. So you heard what Stefan Marbury had to say. Stephon Marbury, uh, there, there are a lot of people that concur with him, Kwame Brown and others. They're not, they're not fans of uh, Stephen A. Smith and his coverage. But listen, uh, this is how he does things. I think the way it works is Stephen A. Smith understands that there's a burden to deliver on ESPN. As I said before, and I'm going to say it again, he is the face of that network. So I feel like every time he comes on television, he feels like he has to knock out every single segment. And by doing so, I believe sometimes he ends up doing some of these things. Now, I think here's the issue that some people may take with him. Sometimes he crosses the line. And even though he does cross the line, what he usually does is then double down. He will know that he went too far and then come on his show and say, I'm not taking back a single word. I meant every single. That's what annoys people because it makes people feel like, hey, wait a minute. Everything you say and do is 100% correct. Every action you take is 100% correct. And I think that's where people push off. Or push back, excuse me, uh, with Stephen A. Smith at times. They're like, bro, you're not 100% right about every single thing that you do. So for you to be taking this position, like, oh, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not wrong and this and this, but that's the way that he does it. Uh, this has kind of been his mode of operation. Uh, Stephen A. Smith is a very disrespectful dude. I've said this before and I'm going to say it again. Stephen A. Smith only respects two things based on my observations from him from afar. I don't care to meet most of these people, but. Based on what I have observed from afar, Stephen A. Smith respects authority and he respects money and status. If he believes you have those three things, he will do that. But if he feels you don't have those, th- he, he's going to disrespect you. I've heard the way he talked about Dwight Howard. I've heard the way he's talked about Lamar Odom. I've heard the way he's talked about Stephon Marbury. I've heard the way he's talked about other people at other. It's nothing. It's nothing new. You heard the Shoei Otani comments. You heard the Nigerian players. This is not the first time. You saw the way he talked to Max Kellerman on television. That was supposed to be his counterpart. A grown man with kids. Just imagine. That's how he was talking to Max Kellerman. So this not, 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 nothing here surprises me uh, at all. Nothing here really surprises me. Now, do I think that Stefan Marbury's comments are going to bring about change? No. 
two reasons. Number one, people love to be entertained. And number two, people are forgetful. People may get upset for the moment and then forget about it when something entertaining comes on. That's just the way people are. People would rather be entertained than go out here and boycott and do all of that. I, uh, I sincerely doubt that happening. Thank you for listening to today's show. And don't forget to let us know what you think about today's show on iTunes or any of your favorite podcasting platforms.